I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. We're doing it again. This is a very special episode for us because even though it's coming at you as episode three, it's actually the first one that we ever recorded. In for his stream close up today, beloved children's TV host, Benjamin. Beppy Singer. And we're really happy that you found us. I'm Brian Laffin, and this podcast is produced by Jose Fernandez Alameda. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to review us or give us a few stars on iTunes. We'd really appreciate that. And if you want to reach out, you can find us on Twitter at Stream Close Up. So without further ado, this is episode three of Stream Close Up with Benjamin Beppy Singer. Hit it, Jose! Pepe is a proud son of Malmo, and his mission is to ensure that learning is fun, to fight against the institutional tendency within the educational system to dampen our natural human inquisitiveness. Pepe is a father, a drummer, a chemist, a math teacher. He's a TV host and a producer. As if that's not enough, he's also a product developer, an author, and a public speaker. He's been a regular contributor to the Children's Channel, appearing on programs like Laba and Tiggy Tester. In 2011, he was named Sweden's Educator of the Year for his work on Jarnkunturet, an iconic children's show from the Swedish public broadcaster SVT, where he's credited with helping to inspire a generation of researchers that now fill the halls of the universities around Scandinavia. Most recently, he won the prestigious Kristallen Award, the Swedish equivalent of an Emmy or a BAFTA, for his work on Viaplay's Christmas calendar, The Great Experiment. It was named Best Youth Program, and it's the first time that a show not produced by a traditional broadcaster has won the award. In short, a modern renaissance man. Welcome to the studio, Beppe Singer. Wow. Now, that that's an, in, that's an introduction, Brian. Uh, if you put it that way, I mean, it sounds like I've been achieving some things the last couple of years. Well, a very busy guy at the least. Yeah, and it's 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 it's, it's surreal to get your the, the the last twenty or so years of your life summarized like that. It sounds like, as you say, a Renaissance man, but it sounds like somebody else. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. But did we miss anything? Well, I mean, I think you know, I I 
I, 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 I didn't even manage to count the, the many points, the bullets you had in your introduction, but like the one thing that was the most important for me in a way was like me being a father because th that's like that's taking up about 90% of my brain activity. All the other things uh, has they, they have all involved evolved, you know, uh, like uh, in, in a sort of a uh, holistic way. I, I, I don't really have like a uh, I, or at least I haven't had a plan to change the world or do whatever or I mean it's all been you know trying to do my best working from the heart and it's all just about caring for the kids you know I don't want the kids to have to feel stupid or excluded in in some very sometimes elitistic environments like you know chemistry class or whatever uh, I, I really don't care if the kids become chemists or not when they grow up I mean Sure, I mean, having more engineers and chemists and everything would help uh, the society evolve, but I don't care if they want to work with, work with chemistry or movies or donuts or whatever. I mean, I just don't want them to feel stupid and outside. So, so you work with children's programming. Is that because you're a father? Did you do that before your kids came into your life? Well, actually, my, my, my daughter, who is now seven years old, she was already born. Uh, but... There was no direct connection between, you know, having children and uh, working with children's television. I had already before that worked for many years as a teacher um, uh, at a school in Malmo. Uh, and, you know, the, the, uh, I realized that my strong, I was uh, the strongest or the best when it came to kids that really didn't understand. Uh, the kids that really, you know, were feeling outside and were, were labeling themselves as stupid or uh, uh, that they were not enough, that they were never going to mount to anything because of especially mathematics. That's one of those subjects that really make people feel like shit, you know? And I just, so, so I discovered that it was these kids that I actually, in some way, uh, uh, I, I helped them to, to pass those classes and i realized that you know the mathematics they affect your entire personality your view on yourself your view on how you perceive your chances for the future you know uh, uh i don't know why i mean mathematics has such a status in in society that you, at least amongst kids they, they say to each other if you're good at math you're one of the smart kids and if you fail you can't find the fucking x you're one of the stupid kids. You're never going to amount to anything. And, and there's something really wrong about that. There's something terribly wrong about that. Yeah. Why did you decide to become an educator? So, so yeah, I mean, as I said, like, it's, it's this is when you did the very <laughs> extreme introduction, which would make even the most experienced public person get hybrids or megalomania. Mega, how do you call that in English? Megalomania, yeah. Megalomania. Um, you know, uh, things have sort of evolved from themselves. I, I used to be, uh, I used to be a high school dropout. I hated going to school. I, I, I didn't feel comfortable uh, in class. I didn't feel comfortable in my own life and my existence. And my parents, they were not doing that good. So I turned into, unfortunately, you know, a pretty dark path and, and drugs and not being very. Uh, uh, kind to myself or the people around me and then by some circumstances i got 
I decided I was actually on tour in the United States with with a band called Yind. I mean, it was a little shitty punk band. We were driving around in a in a in a what do you call those uh, in a van? You know, like a really shitty van doing ramen noodles by the highways because we couldn't afford to even have proper dinners. But we did like thirty two states in three months and it was amazing. But during that trip, I decided like. Uh, that that I had to do something else now. I I, I really I went broke being a musician <laughs> and broke in such a bad way that I I really had to look at solutions and I saw for the first time an episode of CSI and I decided that these guys look cool. I want to be a forensic and I applied for like a chemist education, like a master in chemistry and I got accepted. I don't know. N nobody wanted to be chemists back then, so you know, if you could just spell your name, they let you in. And I started to be a chemist. I'm still trying to answer your question, Brian. I know I'm ranting. The question was, why did you become an educator? And I'm getting there. Please bear with me, both you and the listeners. Uh, so yeah, I, 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 I got a chemist's, a chemist education. So all of a sudden, this fuck up, Beppe is, is, or Benjamin is, is, is a chemist. Like, I'm supposed to be all grown up now and have a proper job and maybe wear a shirt from time to time. <laughs> And uh, uh, so I applied for chemists, chemistry-related uh, jobs. And I even, uh, I, they called me for an interview as well uh, to a company who was, back then they were in, I think they were in, uh, in Denmark and they were working with some pharmaceutical whatever and they needed chemists. And I looked at them and I looked at their products and I started realizing like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like these people, I mean, I'm sure they are doing some well uh, to someone somewhere, but I mean... They were all about the money. Greed in that industry is well, I mean, tough to unravel. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, that's a totally different podcast. But I mean, I was sitting there, like, real. I was sitting there in these really tight pants that I thought I thought I had to wear to look a certain way, and I was sweating, and I was really uncomfortable. I was like, "What, what am I doing here?" So I went back and I decided, no, I, I'm, I can't work like this. And by chance, you know, I, I applied. For like 20 other jobs, like everything from project management to a part-time math teacher at the school. And I got accepted as a math teacher at this school. Like one day a week, I was going to help with math. And one day a week uh, turned to five days a week in, in, in a week. Because So you went from broke musician to broke teacher. I went from broke musician to broke teacher. And I would also like to say that, uh, you know... Uh, being broke, uh, I, I, in a spiritual way, has been the best time ever. I mean, it sounds really strange to say that that I'm really, you know, I'm 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 I'm, I'm well off today, and it's easy for me to say a thing like that today because I know I can pay my bills now. But I have to tell you that 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 summer before I started working as a as a teacher, I, we didn't have we didn't have any money. We didn't have any money at all. Me and my then girlfriend, now wife, we had like the best summers ever because we had to, uh, you know, be creative and inventive and spare, you know, share time together. Walking down to the old Balkan district in Malmö, buying those uh, illegally imported cases of beer for a hundred crowns and just really living day by day. And that was amazing. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I became a teacher and I worked for, uh, for, uh, for five years as a teacher. And uh, once again, I ended up in a situation 
where I had to uh, think to myself, what the fuck am I doing? Because a, a boss of mine at the school, he said, well, you know, you got some spirit here. You're not like the other teachers. First of all, you make a lot of kids feel good about themselves, like kids. How dare you? Yeah, well, well, he was actually he actually liked it, and 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 he was like, "Do you want to try uh, to be a principal at this school?" Uh, that was that was the the question came in two thousand and nine, I think, and I was like, uh, "No," but I went home and I talked to my wife about it, and then everybody around me said, "Well, this is going to be great for your CV. This is going to be great for your, you know." advancement or whatever uh you're gonna have a, the the opportunity to affect so many more kids than just the ones in your classroom or whatever so i ended up uh, saying yes to the uh, proposition and i worked as a principal of the same school a high school in malma for a year and i hated every day of it oh i hated every single day of it too far removed from the kids or too far away from the kids and two heads up into administrative like bureaucratic stuff just working doing paperwork sitting by the computer and also realizing you know when you get the uh, an insight in that specific school's budget you see that not all the money goes where it's supposed to go uh, and i was puking in my own mouth you know working there and i had like uh, re i got some real anxiety problems and i a year in because everybody was saying you know give it a year it's like everywhere else you know give it a year and you'll figure it out and to the day, a year after, I quit. Okay, I gave it a year. I gave it a year. And like on the day, I quit. And I went back being a teacher, being confused and like, what's going to happen now? And then a friend of mine, uh, he actually filmed me during one of my chemistry classes, Peto Matson. I would love to give a shout out to Peto Matson. He's He was a teacher back then as well. And now he's moved on to develop software and doing some cool stuff. I don't really know what it is. Uh, how, how did that happen? Are you guys sitting around and he says, I'd love to see what you do at work one day? Or do you say, come on in and watch me? I mean, no, because he was a colleague. We were working okay, really okay, close. Okay, okay. Like both me and him, we were like these, we don't give a fuck about like the system right now. We want the kids to have fun during our classes. We want them to learn. We want them to develop as individuals, but maybe we don't have to follow the... Um, uh, what do you call it? The curriculum, note by note. Because right now we want to have fun together. We want to build personalities, self-confidence. I mean, these are kids in high school. You know, they get the hair growing all over their body. You know, they start falling in love. They start exploring both drugs and whatever. They don't give a fuck about Pythagoras' theorem at that point of life. So we have to make the, the trip as easy as possible for them. So he was like, they announced on television that they needed, they needed a new host to the show Jan Conti, which has been on since 1995. And he said, you should apply. And I'm like, dude, why should I apply? You should apply. Like, I don't want to work with television. Like, there's what's the... And he's like, dude, you got to apply. And we got a little bit drunker. And then he said, okay. So we went back to the lab and he filled me. I did some stupid experiments. Like, it was really ridiculous. Like, why don't uh, astronauts ever drink a cup of coffee when they land on the moon? Because they must be tired from the long trip, you know, and then we talk about atmosphere and pressure and stuff. For, for the people listening who don't know about Jan Kontuart, can you just explain what that is? Well, yeah, Jan Kontuart is, is it's, it's, it's a show, but almost an institution. I mean, it's one of the more credible shows out there uh, made by public service since 1995. It's a, it's, it's, it's a fun and easily accessible 
science show for kids, you know, talking about all kinds of subjects that make up the world we live in, in a easy and fun way. And not just kids, but also their parents and their teacher appreciate the show because we don't use all the fancy schmancy words that they use, for example, in Wetenskopen's Welt or other uh, science shows for grown-ups. I mean, even parents come to me and say, it's a lot more easier to understand when you explain it like you do, because now we don't feel excluded. So, so does it just happen like that? Okay, you guys, you're inspired one night, you say, we're going to film this, Jan Kanturitz looking for a new host. You film something, you send it in, and you're the new host? Does it go that quickly? Well, no, I mean, to me, it was like a joke. You know, he was like, I'm going to send it, because they were looking for a new host. And I'm like, yeah, you do whatever. And then they, then they, a couple of weeks later, they contacted me. So out of like 800 people, there were like 30 people they contacted. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And then I started, my pulse started to elevate a bit, you know, because it went from, yeah, this is a joke to, well, maybe there's something to this. But I still didn't want to involve myself emotionally because, you know, I don't want to get disappointed. So I went to Stockholm and I did an audition, you know, I got some tasks to perform, you know, beforehand. And, and then... Another couple of weeks went, and then we were three. And then, and this is the shittiest part ever. I've never felt so lousy before. They didn't just call me and tell me that I got the job. No, they, they wanted to surprise me at the school I was working at. And, by, and, and that day that they actually came to the school with cameras and flowers, and like they did the whole, the whole thing, I was uh, watching my class having the final exam in chemistry. They had... So, like, the, the level of anxiety in that room, like, 20 kids in their 18, they were, like, 17, 18, writing a chemistry test, and all of a sudden, the camera comes in, like, hey, man, congratulations, you're the new star of the, the hit show, yeah, I'm going to do it. And I was looking at the kids, and they were like, oh, can you guys be quiet? I got to figure this shit out. And I was like, I, I, I sort of, uh, I, I blacked out, so I said, uh, sayonara, suckers, <laughs> to the kids. <laughs> Nobody was in a good spirit, and... And then we moved to Stockholm, me and my family, and we've been here since 2011. Wow. Yeah. Do you have any memorable stories from your time at Jan Kontort? Anything happening behind the scenes that you'd like to share? Well, I mean, I would say that Jan Kontort for me was, there, was a, there, there were a lot of firsts for me. I mean, imagine having a job where, I mean... Because first of all, I was like, okay, this is cool. It's like, okay, I get to still be a teacher and like uh, keep on communicating in the way I, I normally do. But my classroom is a bit bigger now. I mean, we're talking about like half a million viewers at some point. The national classroom. Yeah, I mean, that was amazing. But then, you know, to be able to uh, dive head uh, deep in like something that really interests you for a week or two weeks as being a part of your job, just doing that, just thinking about it, just having fun with it. It is amazing. We tried, uh, there's so many crazy things we tried. I mean, I was 3D animated and put into a playable game. Could you imagine that? As an old gamer, uh, I mean, that's that's dream come true. Uh, but 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 there were also like, I mean, I was, there's a, there's a thing called flight... Wait a second, what do you call that? You know, when you 
when you there's like a it's like a wind tunnel and you go in there and you oh, yeah, lay yeah. down mm-hmm. on like a hurricane that's coming from underneath so it's like a uh, it's like a artificial parachuting kind of thing what do you do you guys know what i'm yeah, talking about what you're talking about don't know it's what it's like called but flight uh, body flight yeah. or something i think it's called and that should cost a lot of money because it's really expensive to do it and we had to have that tube available all day and 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 i and i just couldn't get up i mean i'm a bit uh what do you say i'm festively plump one might say <laughs> i'm a bit on the heavy side and i guess that doesn't have any connection at all to the body flight thing i just didn't get the technique we went in there take after take after take after take me in like a really tight spandex suit <laughs> trying to get airborne we have to get the video of that the, the, the video is actually uh, i think it's i think it's on the web somewhere or in in my in my phone <laughs> uh but all you see is like a bit like a huge hairy meatball trying to, <laughs> to 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 get airborne and it looks so funny but i i really you know i have sometimes you really have to uh give that you know you don't have you you can't work in this business if you're too worried about how you look or how you sound, because then you get, you know, you're gonna. In Swedish, there's a call, uh, saying called "balal." It's like you know, you, that's the people that flip out and get all absorbed by themselves and their looks and their, you know, and they start really feeling really bad. You have to have some self distance, and that's my all-time high self distance moment. And I don't care. It was really funny to look at myself. Beppe Singer built for comfort, not for speed. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm the huggable type. That you know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the best looking guy or the best smelling guy or the best whatever guy. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's Amy Schumer. She said a, a word that's really, uh, you know, stuck to me, and she said, "I'm not uh, pretty. I'm not ugly. I'm, I'm approachable." And 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 that's I I, th- I think that's my take on life. You know, I want to be approachable. Let me ask you: When you were teaching, did you ever feel like you were performing for the kids? That there was an element of theater to what you were doing, even then. I mean, it's it's really interesting that you asked that question because I realized first when I started to work with television, both with uh, SVT and Ula, both are branches of the Swedish Public Service, that I had used. Dram, what do you dramaturgy? Dramaturgy, what dramatic methods? I, I I had actually used the same methods they use when they make Hollywood movies. Uh, when I plan my lessons, which of course had proven to be a very powerful tool, because when you go into a classroom and you start off by saying, "Today we're going to learn everything about Pythagoras as according to the uh, curriculum," or as, as opposed to if you go in and you say, listen, guys, today I'm going to tell you a really fucked up story. There you go. You got me. I'm interested. There, there's, a, there's a difference there in, in the approach. And also, uh, while you'll tell, because it's really, I, I was lying my ass off uh, every time I really tried to, you know, engage the kids. I was telling them these crazy stories in order to get to the subject of the day. And uh, to do that, I need you really need to use that film, that uh, that that movie kind of sense. And also, the most important thing in any movie or in any lesson is to get to the point of no return. You want the viewers or you want the students to say, "Okay, man, you got to show us like what happened." That's where you want to go as a teacher or as a producer or whatever. 
so yeah, there's there's so many similarities between how I worked in the classroom and how I keep on working on screen. So sorting through all of this, is there one attribute that you would say is the key to your success? Uh, I mean, I, 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 um, I guess I could say low self-esteem, which probably sounds strange to a couple of you listeners who probably don't have low self-esteem because having low self-esteem, it could go uh, two ways. It could either go into a self-destructive path or it can go into a creative path where you assume that everybody around you have the same low self-esteem thoughts about themselves and you try to do the best you can do to make that person feel good about themselves. Uh, so I would say, like seriously, I've never been asked this question before and I... So low self-esteem was my first thought. And then, of course, I, I I don't know. I've been diagnosed with ADHD recently. I don't really care about what the name of what I have is. Yeah, by the way, I thought it was very uh, brave of you to go out publicly when that when you got that diagnosis with your Facebook post. Yeah, and why, well, do you, why do you share something so personal? Yeah, well, like I that? mean, I, I thought I had to do something, and I did it with uh, another very credible medium called uh, Post, and which is like a magazine and now a website and facebook page for for, for kids in the uh, in, in really hard ages from like 10 to 17 you know the the, the worst years of the of your life uh i did it through them because i felt like i had to do something because at that time it was like sort of becoming like a trend like everybody was fucking coming out everybody was talking about their diagnosis you get victor from samir victor you get all these celebrities that come out and say oh i got agd and look at me now uh it all went well and like i look at them and i and i and i okay so what are you doing you're dancing without a shirt on screen you're talking about slapping girls on their ass and like is that a good example for parents to tell their kids you know you could be like him in that band when you grow up because he also had adhd and i thought we need a counterpoint we need to to show like real people i, I mean yeah i was in a way like famous for the kids but it was me as a teacher, as a father, that was talking and not, oh, look at me, I'm this big guy from Yankontiwat. Uh, that was a question I wanted to get back to. When things started breaking for you, when you started to become a profile, when people started to recognize you, how did that change things for you? Um, <laughs> I mean, you should, you should totally ask my wife about that because she sees it a lot more than I do. I say that nothing has changed other than you know, um, the way we visit playgrounds. <laughs> I um, can imagine the Beatles. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, there's a there's a collective kind of thing that happens when I when I meet uh, children by themselves one by one. They're really cool, but when they are in smaller or bigger groups, they start acting. Like I guess people act in, in shows and whatever they start screaming together and then it can bet it could get a bit hectic sometimes but and and, and that's the really hard part because you know I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a father and I'm out playing with my kids and I can have a shitty day but I'm I've got I gave myself a promise that I should never ever uh, break my promise to my viewers as my students you know doesn't matter if I have a really shitty day or I just fought with my boss or my wife or my friend when i the second i go into the classroom 
I have an obligation to give them what they need there and then. It's about them and not about me. And I try to think the same way when I'm, when you know, when kids approach me and they, they have seen me on television, they get happy, they get excited. I would never ask a kid to fuck off because I'm having a bad day, which is like the hardest thing ever because you can walk, you can have like really tough arguments with, like I have with my wife sometimes, you know, we, we had two small kids. We, we, you know, we're not, I mean, life is fucking shitty sometimes. And, and, and then you have a kid approach in the middle of an argument. And you have to give that kid all of the attention. Maybe not as long as you usually do, but you have to give them a smile and and give them like a, a push in the right direction in life. So it's hard. It, it's I, really, really hard. I can imagine. I mean, if you're a teacher in a small town, you run into your kids, their parents every now and then. But if you're the teacher for a nation, there's no ducking I, behind that. Yeah, it's really hard. And I, and I really, you know, I really try to live by the... Uh, you know, the motto of Peter Parker, you know, the guy... With great behind. power comes great responsibility. Yeah, yeah, great responsibilities. And that I think that affects everything I do, from TV shows to, you know, doing my experiment books, my, 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 I, I do my lectures. Like, I have a responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I have a possibility as well to affect and influence young and old to try better and be better. And, and you can't just get all excuse the the expression but like all horny on the famousness and you know just devour it all and say i'll go with whatever because now i'm i'm, I'm a famous person i'm very careful uh, uh about in which situations i appear which co uh, cooperations we won't see you doing an ad for cigarettes anytime soon. Probably you, you probably won't, man. And I, I know that I'm still in my like the honeymoon phase of my uh, celebrityhood uh, that I can afford to say no. I'm never going to do cigarette commercials. I know so many people that throughout the years have said so, but I always think that you know what? If I can't pay the rent, I can always go back working as a teacher, and I actually miss that as well. So I mean. It wouldn't surprise me if I, in five or 10 years, I go back working as a teacher. You, you mentioned your work as an author and as a speaker. If people want to find more information about that work, where can they go? I mean, uh, there's so many, uh, you know, platforms. You could, I have a webpage. Beppesinger.se? Yeah, it sounds like you've researched this. Or no. did you just guess? I tried to do a little homework. <laughs> hey, this you sounds know, like a plug, man. Well, well, well look, you're, you're kind enough to give us your time. I'd only fair well, for you to do a little promotion yeah, I mean, for what I, you're working I, on. I sort of have like a you know, webpage where it's, it's like a digital uh, business card. You know, like now when you have a... I mean, it's my business now. That's how I pay my salary by doing lectures and doing deals with other, you know, like books and experiment boxes and also TV. But yeah, so, yeah you so, have to have a page. So go to beppysinger.se and check that. Yeah, out I mean, do it. I mean, and don't expect like the world's most awesome page. But I mean, there's a button there that's called contact. You can email me directly, and we'll figure something out. I don't have an agent or like a anything fancy like that. I do it all by myself. I don't. I mean, I'm not that. I mean, I don't get emails every day, like everybody wants, but I, I want to do it myself. Cool. All right. On that note, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about Beppe's latest success, his recent win at the Kristallin Awards, and how the great experiment came to be. Och Kristallen till årets barn och ungdomsprogram. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Går till det stora experimentet. And we're back with Beppe Singer in the studio. Uh, Beppe, what a storyteller. What, what you've accomplished already before we even go any further. A whole career as a teacher, uh, working with Sveriges Television. And now, most recently, you're coming off the big experiment, uh, the Julkalender, as we call it here in Sweden, that you did for a streaming service called Via Play. Can you can you tell us how something like that comes about? How do you make a switch? Well, I mean, do, 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 does everybody know what a Julkalender is? I, I mean, that that's w- a pretty Swedish phenomenon. There you go. Might want to start there. Yeah, or I'm, I might get there because there's a logic point in the this story where it gets explained. But but yeah, so I was working uh, at public service, and I uh, you know did some amazing shows and met some amazing colleagues, and we had like a really good time. But I also had like other ambitions, like you know I want to you know talk about science in a broader front. I want kids to be able to go to the toy stores or the bookstores and like find really good stuff that's fun. And also educational, and I mean, there are already tons of these products out there, but I wanted to, you know, give it my own touch, because it's actually been a dream of mine since even before I started working in television, to try to, you know, make my own, like, uh, specialized CSI boxes and stuff, because I love that stuff. And uh, and also because I, I, I thought there, you know, Sweden, there was actually room in Sweden to do some other products. But as an employee of public service, of course, you can't do that because part of the wonderfulness of public service is that it's undependent. They, uh, it's, it's, and it's un, 
uh, at least on paper, it's on. Uh, it's it's not partial and it's not partial to anyone, uh, mm. uh, whether it comes to politics or uh, uh, economics, you know. And so I decided, you know what, um, maybe it's time to go somewhere else to work. I was thinking, like, is there anything uh, anywhere else I could go that where I, where where I could still, you know, work with children's television because the format is so amazing, it's so fun, but also be free to run my own business, you know, you know, to to do stuff that's meaningful and fun and stuff that their parents could feel comfortable with, but also make some money. I mean, there's, there's a, there's a, there's, there's a taboo when it comes to working with children and making money. And to me, I think one does not have to exclude the other. As long as you can firmly stand behind your products and say, these are good. These are educational. And these is, these are giving the kids more value than the box. You're opening up a big can of worms here because I, I think understand. You talk about SVT and you know working with kids. We talk talk about a brand like Disney, where it's only commercial working with kids, and SVT has this weird relationship that I don't understand with Disney with this Yule calendar or the what is it? Not Yule calendar there. Oh yeah, that's Christmas, the Christmas special they're doing. Yeah, yeah, every year they show Disney and they promote their latest. I don't, I don't get how that holds together with the philosophy that you just described. Well, it's it's as with many philosophies, uh, it's not always uh, consequent. You know, there you can have a philosophy. That's one thing, and then you have your everyday practice, and that's another thing. And uh, I guess I'll stop at that okay. because yeah. you know, it, it, I used to be a vegan, but I love cheese. <laughs> okay, fair enough. You know. Uh, uh, that's, I mean, it's, uh, you, ha you have these ambitions and then you also have the, the need from the audience. And sometimes it's really hard to know where to put your focus. So you say you, I'm, I'm being really vague here now, right? I, I, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I'm, I'm really trying to be, we talked about this before Brian and me before, before this take, we were like, okay, so we got to be totally professional about this. We're not going to talk about anything that's, you know, going to offend anyone or put anyone in the hotspot. And we're not, we're totally not. We're trying to be all professional about this. So I'm saying it's not always easy to be consequent. But a little, but speaking a little truth at the same time. But I, I, yeah, I have to course. say, you say, you know, you had ambitions to do things sort of that you couldn't do because of the restrictions yeah. of public so broadcasting, saying, but yeah. it must've still been a bit of a risk to step away from something like that. Yeah, well, I mean, I realized when I talked to all my colleagues, uh, you know, the other hosts or the directors or the, you know, the one doing, the ones doing their internships and everybody was, everybody that was uh, besides over, under or behind the camera. I mean, there's a lot of focus on, you know, the, the host is doing this and the host is doing that. And I think that's, you know, that's the, that's the dark side of this business that one person always get all the attention while there are hundreds of people working their asses off to make it possible. So all of these people, I walked around and I talked to them and I realized I'm, I'm sort of the only one that actually, I come from another world. I, I didn't really want to work with television. I didn't expect to work with it. So I, I got an education in chemistry. I used to work as a teacher and everybody around me, they were like uh, full in media co-workers. So they had nothing else to fall back on if the shit would hit the fan. So I, I, I realized that, you know, okay, so maybe, you know, somebody has to do something and I decided, you know, I'm, I'm going to try and, 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 you know, worst, worst case, which is in my situation, like almost best case, I could go back working as a teacher. 
So I guess that's why I did it in maybe a more like aggressive manner than anyone else has tried before. You know, I, I started thinking, is there anywhere else I could go? And the answer was pretty easy. No, there is nowhere else to go. There is no other credible producers of children's television in Sweden other than public service. Who do a great job in that area. They do an awesome job. They're the best at it. And Well, according to the people at the Kristall Awards, you're the best at it. Well, I mean, we'll get to that. I'm just trying to be humble, man. I mean, I'm not going to let you be humble. No, but they've been, they've been doing so much good for so many years. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a second, you know. So there wasn't anywhere to go. So I decided maybe I should try to create somewhere to go. Like, you know, try to find or maybe make it possible for somebody else to start doing credible children's entertainment. So I was at this, uh, you know, by chance, I was at this lovely Sunday brunch and I was sitting down with a, a couple of friends and one of them worked at uh, Via Play. And I asked her, like, like, seriously, why don't you do like Netflix has been doing for a couple of years now? Why, why don't you do your own originals for kids? And and she was like, hey, that, that's, a great co- that's a strange coincidence because you just had a meeting about it last week. And I was like, hey, you got, really? You got to give me like a... The email address to the, you know, the program faith, the ones, the 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 one responsible for your originals. I gotta have a sit down. I gotta have like a, a cup of coffee with the guy. I didn't have a plan. I was just like, I, I gotta meet him. So you didn't have this show in mind. No, you not at a all. General idea that you I, wanted to do move further. No, no, I had nothing. Okay. I I, I was like, uh, I was I was really scared. You know, I I I wrote an email to him and I was like. Is, is is would it be possible for somebody like me to just have a sit down and a cup of coffee and just talk about children's television? And he was at the right point of his career to say, hell yeah. And we had a couple of, you know, fika, it's a very important word. We had a couple of, you know, coffee and buns kind of situations where we actually sort of realized that we liked each other. And I also realized that, hey man, this guy has his heart in the right place. He really wants to do some, um, you know, good television for kids, or he wanted to do some really good shows for the kids where the kids are in focus, you know, uh, stuff with, uh, uh, with, with content, like proper content where kids, they are, of course, it's going to be entertaining. It's going to be exciting, but it's also going to be educational. So how do you go from, from those coffees to the great experiment? So yeah, he, he, he tells me, okay, so you're a credible guy. You know, the parents, they know about you. Let's do something credible together. And I'm like, I'm like, yes, but like mentally I'm shitting myself because I'm thinking like, I don't, I don't have shit. Like how, how could you, I mean, how is it even going to be possible? And he said, okay, so we want to go and work with this production company. And I said, okay, I know about that production company. They've done tons of chill. Give them a shout out. Who are we talking about here? I'm not going to give them a shout out because I didn't choose them. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. So, uh, again, I'm trying to be humble here. Uh, one of the biggest names. And I was like, yeah, I know about them really well. And uh, uh, But they've done so many things already. I want to try like a curveball. I want to try some I want to try some loose cannons. I want to see what happens if you try to do, if you take my public service kind of approach and mix it together with some other guys that I, you know, you can say what you want about them, but I think they've done some interesting Swedish television, it's, and they're called uh, Philip and Fredrik. Yes. Uh, two, uh, you know, I don't know what you call them, like comedians or actors or whatever, but they, they do some interesting shows. I know they, they had just, they started a production company called Nexico, uh, 
and and there I and so I said, you know, can we try it out with these guys instead? I I don't know where it's going to lead. I just you know I want to try something new uh, because the guys at Via Play never done children's television before. I never came up with my own ideas before for a show, and these guys at Mexico they never done children's television either. So so perfect perfect mix of I mean, for success. You're guaranteed to succeed. I mean that. it was guaranteed to fail, but I th- that's the approach I wanted. I wanted you know to everybody to to have that sort of Renaissance feel to it, like this. Uh, you know, like we were all exploring this thing together. I didn't want to come in into a room where everything was already set and fixed, you know. I wanted to really try to do something new. And I sat down with uh, the CEO of Mexico, which is a wonderful man. He's called Lars David Beckung. Some of you guys maybe remember him as a uh, VJ from the golden era of MTV back in the 90s. Um, and he was a great guy. Also very humble very you know appreciative very excited and also very you know concerned about a lot of shit that the kids are watching today and we wanted to do a show that the kids and the parents could watch together and really enjoy instead of just doing another show to distract the children while the parents are frying the meatballs you know yeah the tv as babysitter yeah so we really really honestly wanted to do something good for the children to watch that's going to be exciting but also going to be educational so it you know we started talking to each other and they said yeah we're totally excited we want to do it but i still hadn't had any ideas and so one night i was playing with my daughter by then she was five she, uh, her name is stella hey stella hey stella uh the hypo engelska they little sort of for but she's you know she's She's picking up some English now. She's seven now. Okay. And we were playing around. And, and I said, you know, I, I, I need some ideas to the show. And I, and I sort of got it. And she was like, she was the one that pinpointed at five years old. She said to me exactly what we needed for the show. A mad scientist is locking me and two kids up. And every day during the day of December, we get a new challenge to solve. If we solve the challenge in time, she might let us out. Which brings us to the concept of the Yule calendar. Exactly, because in Sweden there's a long tradition of having a, a, a small episode every day leading up to Christmas Eve, starting uh, December 1st. And also a physical calendar that after each show you watch, there's a small little, you can open a little window in this physical, it can be made out of paper and, and then it's like chocolate or sweets or whatever hidden underneath it. And we've had this tradition for almost 40 years in Sweden. The countdown to Christmas. Let me ask, is Stella credited as a producer on this? Unfortunately not. Come on, Dad. I mean, I want to keep her out of the limelight, you know, just a little bit more. I don't want her to flip out. She's got enough stuff going on in her head, you know, but, you know... Everyone I talk to is really, you know, I, I, I'm really proud to say that it was me and my daughter. We played. The, the, the idea for the big experiment came out of me and my daughter playing. And then it became a production that you did for the Swedish market, but also produced for Denmark, Norway, and Finland. How was that to manage? Yeah, it was scary because, you know, they said to me from uh, Via Play that, you know, this is a pan-Scandinavic Scandinavian, pan-Scandinavian uh, investment, you know. So we want you to come up with an idea for a show. We want you to do it with a Danish cast and a Norwegian cast as well. We're going to dub it in Finland, but we need two more casts. And I was shitting myself again 
but I had the opportunity to hand pick the people I had worked with during the years at SVT and asked them, do you guys want to join me here and help me do like the best show ever? And they all agreed. Everything from producers to, to set and stage builders, amazing people, mechatronics that could, you know, construct these amazing gadgets and stuff that we used in the show. They were there to help me. And in that process, they also, we, we all helped out and cost in costing uh, both the Danish and Norwegian cost. So as we said earlier, we already had all the opportunities to fail big time with this show. Now you have to put in the pan-Scandinavian part as well, because we had only, we had only got like a full uh, house when it comes to um, like having all the people we needed to do the show on August 1st. 2016 tight and from august 1st we had to figure out the scripts the stage the everything start shooting 72 episodes 24 episodes per country edit them and start sending them by the 1st of december that's that's it's, it's that doesn't happen i mean three months for that amount that's huge 72 times 15 minutes. Do you realize how much television that is in three months? I think, let me do the math. That's a shitload of television. That's exactly the right answer. <laughs> so so clearly there's something different from the approach that you had at Sveriges Television when you were focusing just on the Swedish market. What else is different about working with a streaming partner rather than a traditional broadcaster? You don't have to, uh, you don't have to think about slot time. I think you call it slot time. Mm -hmm. Like, when you work with ordinary broadcast television, you get your 15 minutes. The show is exactly on the second. It needs to be 15 minutes. doesn't matter if the show holds up for 10 minutes or 20 minutes. You have to make it 15. Now, working in streaming broadcast, that is where it's... Uh, did I say streaming broadcast? I mean, streaming like non-linear... What is it? What yeah, I don't know what to call it. Like, give it a okay, name. Non-linear television. Um, you do the show as long as you feel that it's good. It can be 12 minutes and it can be 20 minutes. And that's what's so amazing. If you watch the, the first series of uh, House of Cards, I mean, there are episodes there that are 45 minutes and episodes that are an hour 10. Because, you know, that's the amazing thing about working with nonlinear television. You could do it as long as it's, you know, as it's good, as it's sexy, as it looks good. So, so as you're doing it, do you feel that it's something that's going to succeed? When do you start? No, to not at all. No, no. Be I told you before about the bad self-esteem and all of that. I, I think everything I do is shit, you know? And even after I won the Cristal and everybody's like, oh, it was so good. And I'm like, dude, have you watched the show? Like, I, I see so many flaws. I can't, I can't watch the show myself because we didn't have the time to really do it the way I wanted to. So, so, so now I'm, I'm so excited that, you know, we won the Cristal and, 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 and we were the first non-linear show to ever be nominated in the category since the beginning of the award show and we were the first show ever all categories that won a Kristallen so, that so, wasn't broadcast so I guess it's safe to say you were surprised when they called your name I was shocked and I was you know I would love to be able to feel proud you know I this is like a major issue for me like I would love to just walk on stage and just be happy and say yeah, but then, you know, my head screws around with me and says, oh, but you could have done this better and that better. And you, I even forgot to thank my daughter while doing the acceptance speech. <sighs> Stella, and if you need an agent, give me a call. Yeah, it's been like haunting me. 
So, uh, yeah. Hey, congratulations on the award. Thank you. I mean, I mean, this is a game changer, and it's not—it's not about me. It's about a business. It's about a—it's about a uh, no. Business is not the right word for a branch. Branch, yeah. branch. I mean, this is about television. This is about being accepted for the first time in this—you know—great uh, arena as a, a show. Uh, th like shows are, that are non-linear can be as good. Welcome to as the broadcasters. fiend room, as you say. In yeah, but I mean, this was this happened. Uh, at the Emmy Awards in 2013 for the first time when Netflix got awards for the House of Cards with Kevin Spacey. And the, the, the thing that amazes me even more is like, I thought that it had to be something like that in Sweden as well. We had to have our own local Kevin Spacey in order to, to accomplish that. We're here in the studio with Sweden's Kevin Spacey, yeah. <laughs> Buffy Singer. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, 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 a major, it's a major thing that happened because now all of a sudden, uh, via play, uh, realizes that hey man, we, we we should totally fill up this arena with more content, and like all of a sudden maybe we get many parallel productions going yeah, you at see, the same you time. See they're starting to take some interesting shots out there with their own productions. Yeah, and and I mean all of a sudden all of those people that are really good and maybe feel like it's time for a change, you know, for them as well, being working at the same place for 10 years. Maybe they want to come over here and try to do something here as well. And that's going to be really amazing and awesome. So does the Kristallin change anything for you? Can you raise your prices? Yeah, I haven't thought like that. I mean, I was, I was joking around about it. Some reporter asked me about it. And I said, honestly, uh, before the Kristallin, I never got offered a job. Never. All the things that happened to me from... You know, being a teacher, to being a host on Yankon Tewat, to writing books for Bonio Carlsen, to doing experiment boxes for Egmont Shernan. All of those opportunities came from me waking up in the middle of the night in a panic anxiety attack, thinking, shit, how am I going to pay rent next month? So I start like mass emailing people until I just get like a hit, talk to people, and I sort of try to persuade them to start working with me. But the seconds I came off the stage... With a Kristallin in my hand. I'm not ki I'm not kidding. First time ever. Like two minutes after, somebody came, tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, I got this great program idea. You should come talk to me later. And I'm like, I would love to do that, but I'm going to stay with Via Play for a while now because they were the ones that were, they were ballsy enough to gamble and, and try it out with me. They gave me so much confidence. Even if I didn't have like a already like set game plan they said okay we're gonna we're gonna give it a shot with you so i i feel honored and uh i think that it's uh, it's a it's it's a pleasure and an opportunity for me to stay with where i play for another two years that seems to be the approach that works best i mean the people working at hbo and netflix who get these contracts they always refer to the fact that they're left alone to their own devices and come back with their creative output at the end of the day nice to hear that about via play as well you talked about the efforts before you had the crystal and you had to chase all the work. Do you have any advice for anyone who's trying to get into this business? Someone young out there who wants to make their mark in media? You know what? I, I seriously think that an advantage point that I have had during my many meetings with all these random peoples, people is that is my self-distance. I don't take myself too seriously. There are a lot of people in this business taking themselves too serious. Don't be afraid to be like, a, I don't know, to be yourself and to be honest and to be humble. And also don't be afraid to make a fool out of yourself. 
I mean, a lot of people, they hesitate picking up the phone because they think, oh man, they're all going to laugh at me. But, you know, if you hate yourself enough, then you don't give a shit if they laugh at you or not, because you're already down there. You don't give a fuck. So then you pick up the phone and you start calling people. And I think that's a really good way to start moving things. I think that's great advice in general. Uh, step away from your ego a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I've met many people with very big egos in this business, and I can totally... Maybe it's also my accent. You know, I'm from Malmö, so I have this... I, I, I speak uh, Skånska. Malmö in Malmö. the house. So, uh, you know, maybe that accent as well gives you the whole, you know, like, Taula uh, I'm more like a farmer guy than a career business guy. You know, I, don't, I never wear suits. I, you know, I just... I'm just myself. Uh, so yeah, just, you know, fuck it. Don't think about what they're going to say or think about you. Just do it. So starting to wrap up here, what's yeah. next for you? We heard a rumor that you're going to continue with Via Play in what kind of capacity? Does that mean another Yule calendar, a different kind of programming? So um, yeah, we have been looking at many different opportunities. I'm, I'm so, I still have to pinch myself in the arm by the fact that Via Play said, hey man, this went well. Do you want to stay? And I was like, yeah, okay. So we actually signed a deal for another two and a half years. All right. Congratulations. Uh, I promised them that I will stay here and be, uh, uh, you know, uh, I was, I will, I will keep my business here when it comes to uh, doing TV shows. And of course, we got We have to do more. Uh, the Stuart Experiment, the great experiment shows. We have to do them because I have so many plans, so many different kind of arenas that I want to explore within the umbrella of the great experiment. I mean, the experience, the experience of doing that show was amazing. And everybody at Techniska Museet here in Stockholm, I would really love to give them a shout out because they really love the format. And they gave us an entire floor to shoot the show and also do an exhibition afterwards that was there for half a year. So kids could actually physically go into the same world where we shot the show. And I want to continue uh, experiencing that, but also looking at other opportunities for other originals with other talents uh you know uh, uh for the future i'm gonna help via play to build up their via play kids contact so content so people should tune into via play to see what's next from beppe singer i mean timing wise via play is the first one on the ball and it's very probable that it's here you're going to see some of the more exciting uh productions over the next couple of years well, Beppe, I see that you're looking a little hungry as we're approaching lunchtime here. I want to. Yeah, I'm looking at our friend. You know, the fly on the wall. Yeah. We had like a, we have a hummus date in like ten minutes. We have to be in uh, at 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 the most awesome hummus place in Stockholm. Regev, they got the shit going on right there, right? <laughs> yep. They got the best chickpea mash ever. All right. Well, I want to thank you for coming up, Beppe. Really appreciate this. You sharing your story with everyone. Best of luck. We can't wait to see what you come up with for Via Play in the future. And if you want to follow Beppe, he's on Instagram, Beppe Singer at Instagram. Yeah. And BeppeSinger.se online. And Beppe's TV coming to Via Play. And, and you know what, Brian? I'm sorry. I, I really have to thank you as well. Because, uh, you know, this is uh, scary stuff. You're trying out a new pod format here. And I don't know if this is going to be the first show or the last show or the middle show. Or Could whatever. be both at once. But I really, really hope that it goes well because you were one of the most swell and nicest people I've ever worked with. And I really keep my fingers crossed that this podcast is going to be a huge success. So thank you for having me. Wow. Thank you very much. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.